The 65th Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals are upon us, and the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown is back with an unprecedented 32-car field possible. Chevrolet Performance Manager and Copo Program Manager Kurt Collins is our guest, and he delves into the program. What these guys are doing, these competitors are taking what we build as a really nice, solid, competent car for anybody buying a, a race car. But the modifications they're making uh, to get the kind of performance out of, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Uh, there's a lot of very, very good engineers and racers out there right now that are taking this and going beyond what anybody thought we could ever do. Kurt Collins will delve into the Copo program and his thoughts on the future. Also on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast, she is the defending Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals winner, Leah talks about El Bandito and her chances in the 2019 race and what it all means in her career to be a factory stock champion. It's cool because that just means that we were doing something cool and winning and just doing what we love and, and other people that may not have ever known what factory stock showdown was, they do now. She's definitely fired up for the big go. But also, fired up number two in the points, Bo Butner's crew chief, Daryl Heron, knows they're gunning for the top spot, knows just who he's gunning for. And Daryl Heron of Bo Butner Racing has got a message for Drew Skillman, who sits number one. Oh, yeah, all, all he's got to do is have one little hiccup, and we're going to be right there. So we're, uh, we're planning on taking him out. That's the plan right now. Oh, yeah, he likes to call us number two. Well, he's getting ready to find out. We ain't going to be number two. We're going to be number one. Daryl Heron knows he's got the driver to take the top spot, but can they put it all together? You'll hear Bo Butner's crew chief, Daryl Heron, on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast. Bo Butner's teammate in Pro Stock is a rival engine builder in Factory Stock. You'll hear from Jason Lyon and his thoughts on the Factory Stock Showdown cars. You know, I think people think of Stock Eliminator as, as kind of an entry-level class, and uh, that thing is anything but entry-level. Is um, you know, it, it's a it's a pro stocker in in, a, in stocker clothing. So a uh, lot a lot of work, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but you, you want a challenge? There it is. Jump on in because um, it's definitely a challenge. Jason Line, Daryl Heron, Leah Pritchett. Kurt Collins, and of course, Brian Massengill from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Join us on Factory Stock Podcast, Chevrolet Performance, U.S. Nationals Edition. A field of 32 cars potentially as we get ready for the biggest drag race on the planet. And the Factory Stock Showdown Championship is on the line. It's all happening now. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, follow on Facebook, and never miss a show, Factory Stock Podcast. And I'm Joe Costello, your podcast host. If you're new to Factory Stock Podcast, after this episode, you can go back on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to the whole season worth of interviews and winter interviews, and it is great stuff, great show, and it is all brought to you by the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab 
on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to Blockhead and CNC programs, Samtech now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. SAM is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today. They make this podcast possible, and they've got many graduates working on the teams within the NHRA, within Factory Stock Showdown, and all across motorsports and beyond certainly in aerospace and other industries. Big thanks to Sam Tech. So it has been a while since we last got together, but we do have a great show for you. Kurt Collins from Chevrolet, who managed the program for a very long time, will be joining us moments from now. But I just want to get everybody up to speed on where we are. Rules change after the last race increased the pulley size on the Cobra Jets to four inches. It reduced or decreased the pulley size on the drag pack 354 cubic inch combination down to three inches. People are thinking that this is going to be maybe the tightest parity that we have had since we started this deal. The point standings are as follows. Drew Skillman shows the way. He is the points leader. Multiple race wins, 447 points. Bo Butner, 358 points in second. That's an 89-point difference. Bill Skillman is third with 335, but Bill has said to us later on in the year he may have to miss a race. Fourth is Stephen Bell. Fifth, David Barton. Sixth, Chris Holbrook. Seventh, Archie Cohn. Randy Rampage-Taylor is eighth. Ninth is Kevin Skinner. And Scott Leibischer rounding out the top ten with 200. So you see it is very tight within the top 10, and any one of those drivers could really make a move plus an additional round of racing here at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. So let's get into it with our guests. First up on Factory Stock Podcast, he spent many years as the manager of Chevrolet Performance, the Copo Program, and Promotions. Joining us now, Mr. Kurt Collins. Kurt, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? Thanks, Joe. I'm doing great. It's great to join you today. Thank you so much. Since we started Factory Stock Podcast, I really wanted to give uh, the people who work at the manufacturers, people who are ultimately you know, investing their time and hard work, sometimes blood, into the sport because of a passion for these cars. Of course, the racers are always passionate, but you spent a whole lot of time kind of nurturing the program. We're getting ready for the 65th Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. It's got to be a source of pride to see so many Copos out there getting ready to compete. It is, Joe. Uh, we, we brought back the modern-day Copo in uh, 2012 to uh, a great uh, response from people when we uh, unveiled it at the SEMA show in 2011. Uh, we build 69 of these cars every year, and uh, we we have a great uh, uh number of people that are trying to get these cars it's a very popular car uh, we sell like i said we sell 69 of them a year in honor of the original 69 zl1 big block uh, copos that were built in 1969 uh, we typically have um, several thousand people put in an entry for one of these cars uh, our highlight was in 2018 we had uh, almost 17,000 entries to get these 69 cars uh, and the, the program just continues to grow for us. Um, this year, specifically at the U.S. Nationals, we're going to have probably our largest showing ever of Copos there. So it's a, really going to be a great, great race coming up. Very excited. I, I definitely want to ask you about some questions about Factory Stock Showdown in particular. But uh, is the case, whenever I speak with someone that I know has a rich history 
Uh, I like to know how you got here. You know, like, you know, were you a car guy when you first uh, when you were a young kid and then went to work for General Motors? Or did you find your way there uh, through a different route? And more importantly, even, you know, the rich connection to that history you just mentioned, you know, 1969 Copo Camaro. That is an icon style car. And to be able to be involved with bringing it back, that had to be so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So actually, my background really uh, didn't start uh, growing up with the cars. I I, um, actually from Oklahoma, I got a degree in electrical engineering and uh, had an opportunity to interview for General Motors. Uh, So I came to um, to Detroit in uh, 1985, been there uh, my entire uh, career, uh, so almost 35 years now. Uh, Started out in powertrain engineering, doing development work. Uh, After that, I moved to uh, marketing. Spent some time with the uh, Pontiac team. The Chevy team was responsible for the product for the Camaro, the Firebird, a number of other different uh, car and truck programs. Uh, After that, I moved to AC Delco, started learning a little bit more about the parts side of the business. And the interesting thing is the Copo is actually not classified as a car. It's not a street legal car. It doesn't have a VIN. It's actually sold as a performance part through your General Motors parts department at the dealership. So I had the great opportunity working on parts to become um, the manager for the Chevrolet Performance Copo program from a marketing aspect. I started doing that in 2013 and uh, had a really great time with it. Met a lot of great, really interesting people from not just collectors, but the racers, the guys that are going to be out there uh, coming up with the next uh, Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, the guys that are going to be on the track. They uh, they love these cars. It's a great camaraderie. Once they buy a car, they're part of that club. I can't help but think of the evolution of performance that you have been involved with at General Motors. Uh, I you know I'm a everybody's a certain type of car guy, right? I love them all. But my family buys General Motors cars, always has. Pontiac was our brand for many years, and so we're a little sad. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is, right? But I can't help but think of those, like, mid-'80s Camaros and Firebirds that, you know, people could buy. The drag racers certainly did a lot of great things with them in stock and super stock. But the cars that were dealership uh, purchased, you know, they weren't the most powerful cars. And as you discussed your arc of your career, I was thinking about the cars that came out uh, in conjunction with what you just mentioned, like the next generation Firebirds and Camaros, they were more powerful and then more powerful. And then fast forward to 2012, we're bringing back Copo Camaros. What has been, what do you think has been the genesis of that? Like this return to performance that we have seen over the years that we as drag racers certainly love and appreciate. Now we're seeing Factory Stock Showdown as kind of like a culmination of it all with factory cars racing each other. But as you laid out your career, it just occurred to me that as we, as time went by, the performance came back. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think back when I graduated from uh, college, I treated myself to my first new car. I bought a 1985 Trans Am, had the uh, port fuel injected uh, LB9 engine in it. Uh, Today's Camaro four-cylinder has as much horsepower as that top-of-the-line Trans Am did in 1985. So the evolution of power and what our engineers can get out of uh, horsepower per uh, liter these days is unbelievable. Um, So you see that now into the uh, the Copo Camaro. When we introduced that car in 2012, 
we went straight to a uh, fuel injected system. Uh, it, it was a, a learning curve. So for some of these hardcore racers that had never done anything other than uh, changing the jets in a carburetor, but uh, they've embraced it. We have a great partnership with uh, Holly. Uh, Holly has classes to teach these guys and help them. They're at the track every weekend with them, trying to get them to uh, uh, learn more about the system to squeeze every little bit of horsepower they can get out of these cars. So let's fast forward now to Samtech Factory Stock Showdown, the class that we focus on on this uh, show, and the wild popularity explosion that I feel like it's experiencing. Certainly I'm seeing articles in trade magazines that don't always cover drag racing, specifically because of the factory connection, the fact that you guys are behind it, that, uh, you know, FCA and Ford are behind it, and that you guys are competing against each other, and that there's a little bit of a chip on everybody's shoulder, and you're trying to prove things, and you're trying to show, you know, your engineering is superior. That got everybody excited. Can you talk a little bit about how how being involved in the class uh, has, has kind of awaken those uh, competitive juices and how it helps General Motors and Chevrolet sell cars. Simple as that. Sell cars on uh, on Monday afternoon after a race. Sure. Uh, you know, it actually, it's not just General Motors and Chevrolet. It helps, like you just said, FCA, Ford, and General Motors. Um, you know, we are out there. We're all competitors, but it's a, it's a partnership when it comes to uh, working with the other two manufacturers and also with uh, NHRA and Samtech. A lot of meetings, a lot is going on there. I mean, we want to, everybody wants to win, but we want to be out there and, and give uh, NHRA uh, customers a, a, a show. So it, there's a lot of work there. There's a, you know, we're trying to get as much power as we can out of these. The the competitors out there, um, you know, they're they're loyal to the brand. But uh, we, we've got to give them something that they can work with. And uh, what they've been doing with the uh, uh, factory uh, cars like this for these uh, races is just unbelievable. Did you ever imagine, and I, I would imagine as an engineer, you know, you have a pretty vast imagination. and <laughs> You can dream up a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, but seven seconds, seven, you know, 780 ETs for a, you know, 3,500 pound plus glass windowed, stock interiored, stock wheelbase, nine inch wide tire, uh, Camaro, uh, you know, was that on your radar when the program first started? No, I, I don't think anybody thought we were going to get down to those those levels. Um, uh, you know, the the automotive manufacturers, NHRA. It's it's been surprising that, you know, we put out a really competent race car that's a great starter car for anybody out there. But what these competitors are doing for the the factory uh, stock is just uh, unbelievable. There's a lot of engineering, a lot of vast knowledge going into that. What these guys are doing, these competitors are taking what we build as a really nice, solid, competent car for anybody buying a, a, a race car. But the modifications they're making uh, to get the kind of performance out of, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Uh, there's a lot of very, very good engineers and racers out there right now that are taking this and going beyond what anybody thought we could ever do. 
Very exciting. Uh, we always hear about, you know, the racing feedback loop, right? It improves the breed. And, uh, you know, the factory builds something and then the racers put it to the test and find, you know, there may be a weakness here or a weakness there and, and then send it back to the factory and the factory improves it. And ultimately the guy who buys, uh, you know, a Camaro at the dealership gets the benefit. Uh, are there, is that happening with this program? Oh, absolutely. You know, we, uh, at General Motors, what we do is we rotate our engineers uh, in and out from our production programs to our race programs. Um, you know, the reality is, and you've heard it before, is the green flag drops uh, at the race. It doesn't matter if you're there or not. Uh, it, so we want our engineers to realize that, 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 and they can take that back into the production programs that they need to have a sense of urgency. So the green flag drops no matter what, whether or not you're there or not, and you're going to be left behind. So that, that goes right back into our engineering philosophy to try to get the stuff to market. And you're starting to see that in the, uh, the engines that we're putting out for our, our production performance cars between the Camaro and the Corvette. I mean, you're seeing 500 horsepower now out of a production car that gets great fuel economy, meets emission standards, and uh, can be driven down to get uh, groceries every day. That's like three of those 1985 uh, Trans Ams. Absolutely. Right, which, by the way, the 1985 Trans Am, beautiful car, uh, one of my favorites. Just uh, unfortunate in that era, there was not a lot of power under the hood, but boy, do they make great-looking little race cars. Now, what about, Kurt, what about drag racing in general? Like, I notice... Like the idea that we're even having this conversation about factory stock showdown and what we're going to see at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, the 32-car field, uh, factory-endorsed, but more importantly, marketing cars that have line locks and, you know, in some cases, trans brakes. And, like, it used to be, as I understand it, that the factories would try to undersell the performance of their cars because of insurance industry, et cetera, and so on back in the day. Now that's gone. I would love to hear your opinion about, you know, drag racing, in, in our case, NHRA drag racing, but drag racing in general, people who go to the track, who play with their car, they bring their family, they accelerate their car for fun, and now you guys are marketing that. You're marketing to that. You're marketing products specifically for those people. To me, it's a huge departure from the past and also says something about what drag racing is as a hobby, as like an all-American thing to do in a safe place, in the right environment, at the track, with your car that you bought that you can play with. It seems to be it's like it's reached a tipping point. Now you guys are going right into it. Well, absolutely. The, the most important thing you, you said there is the, the safety aspect. I mean, if you, you want these people on the track. You want them on a, a monitor situation. That, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to give them something that they can uh, get out there, be safe with. And you have a car with launch capability now, so you know you're, you, you've got a car that's going to launch straight, it's going to track straight. You get in the right environment, you're going to have a lot of fun with it, and uh, that's what we're trying to do. Obviously, safety is the number one key, but we know there's people out there that want to perform, so we try to give them a product that will perform in a safe manner and get the most out of the car. Judging by that 17,000 number, it sounds like the win on Sunday, sell on Monday uh, concept is working with the Chevrolet Copo program. It's been fantastic. The the, uh, the people that come out trying to get the Copos, like I said, we this year we had uh, uh, almost 8,000 people trying to get the 50th anniversary Copo. 
Um, it's been a great program. It's a unique blue that we've done. Uh, so there's a lot of excitement out there. People are always coming to the SEMA show when we introduce a new Copo to see what we have in store. Uh, so it's always been a, a great thing for us. Wow. It, well, tremendous stuff. Now, uh, you know, final couple questions as we get ready for the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. Uh, you know, the future of this program, right? Uh, you know, you have a lot invested into it. And just for everybody to understand, uh, you know, Kurt, as he mentioned, General Motors is constantly moving around people and engineers. And so you've moved on from the program very recently. But I imagine you look at it uh, kind of like with a sense of, uh, you know, personal ownership, having put so much work into it, where where would you like to see this thing go in that a lot of racers and a lot of people are discussing, you know, the series, the class in particular, Factory Stock Showdown, like how quick and fast is too quick and fast and what should we do about parity rules? And there's kind of a lot of uh, a lot of things out there because people see so much great potential. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Like what? What, uh, you know, without putting you on the spot, but I would imagine you've thought about, like, the right direction, considering how popular it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a difficult situation for everybody. I mean, nobody thought these cars were going to go this fast. Uh, and they're trying to uh, spend the, you know, trying to keep it more of a grassroots kind of effort where it's not uh, big, big money is going to win the race uh, every weekend. So, that's why there's a little bit of the, the parody going on. I think, unfortunately, for um, everybody to try to keep things reined in from a, a, a cost getting out of control, uh, parody may be the one thing that they're going to have to do to try to maintain that. As um, these racers uh, spend more and more money, uh, we're going to get out of the area where the typical grassroots uh, buyer could get in and go out and race and be able to qualify in a 16-car field. So. Uh, something to be able to get the keep the excitement up where these guys can afford a race car directly from the factory and be able to race and be competitive. That's something we're all trying to work toward. Very exciting. Very exciting. Kurt, I really appreciate you coming on Factory Stock Podcast. I don't know if you had anything to do with it or know anybody that had anything to do with it, but on a total side note, I want to commend and please forward it to whoever you may know. The new Corvette uh, at sixty grand, approximately is an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, it shows what you guys are doing over there, just on many, many different levels for drag racers or for the, you know, the average car guy. Uh, what I'm seeing out of that the eighth-generation Corvette is just shocking. Like, I never expected that that would happen. Blew my mind, frankly. Uh, with the Camaros, keeping them relatively affordable, keeping them for the, uh, the person who can aspire and work hard to actually get one, as opposed to putting it out of their reach. All of those things are probably a big part of the success. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, Joe, I appreciate the time today, too. That was great. And I look forward to uh, the U.S. Nationals. I look forward to uh, a great Copo program. Yes, without a doubt. Kurt, thank you very much. Congratulations on a great career. And thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. Kurt Collins with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. So cool to hear him describe the admiration for the racers. And isn't that what it's all about? They go through a lot of effort at Chevrolet to build these amazing, great products. I mentioned the Corvette, things you never thought could happen, and they build it, and they dream it up. And then they hand it to the racers, and the racers say, watch this, look what we're about to do, and have taken these Copo Camaros and Factory Stock Showdown and turned them into incredible, almost unearthly machines. And that is why we love them.
But time to get to our next guest. And so exciting to see the way the parody is coming around and the three manufacturers are all involved. And we always try to have a representative from each manufacturer on each Factory Stock podcast as best as we can. Next up, Factory Stock Podcast, the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals defending race winner, which started off her championship run, Leah. Leah, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. Are you ready for Indy? Oh, we are so ready. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I love love being able to dive back into our Factory Stock uh, conversation. Now, winning that race a year ago... Uh, that really was the momentum boost, right? That was like the afterburner that kicked you into high gear, and you went on a run. You won your way out, and you won the championship. I remember it vividly, uh, standing on the return road, watching the cars go down the racetrack. What about you? Like, how significant is that win in your whole career? Cool. Um, I would say besides the Dodge Mopar Mile High Nationals and Fuel last year, which came you know, just a couple races before, at U.S. Nationals, um, it would it it ranks up there if not that number one, that the number two. Um, just because Indy is so surreal and there's so much legacy behind it, I remember taking my phone, right? Don't don't text and drive, but winning and grabbing it to get my time ticket, and I'm making this video because I felt I felt like I had actually really never felt before, and I wanted to capture that moment. There's no other cameras, you know, right? This is a top fuel, and even though to me it feels like it is, and, the, and cherish, cherishing that moment and can't, can't wait to get back to the guys to celebrate for it. Um, so we know, you know, that we know that we're capable of doing that. Now this year, totally different animal. Yes, we're, we're not even close to the conversation for any type of championship there. I mean, points-wise, at this moment, we're looking for a round win. So the way that I felt winning the U.S. Nationals in 2018, I might just feel that way. We went around, you know what I mean? Uh, our first one of the year and, uh, and throw ourselves a little party. And, you know, we've come to terms with the parity in the class. We appreciate NHRA being able to make some adjustments according to what they believe will uh, bring us all together. But at this moment, you're just going to see us Mopars just giving – absolutely every single thing that we have to our to our maximum capabilities you know we're going to go out there and run some 70s um if we are we're going to have use of the afterburner we don't need some like nitrous in that we need some nitro we're going to need some turbos um <laughs> but you know it's interesting with the 32 car field and the number of entries that we have and based on you know if we we run that ladder in that bracket uh what, how that's going to be. So qualifying is always key. Uh, except, you know, we've had a couple of competitors that strategically qualify and a, a couple of people that have really shown all their true numbers and some, and some that haven't. But you're going to want to, you want to be a top qualifier at this race as possible. So you might see some guys out there actually showing their face and really laying it down like we know that they know how to do. So, I, if that's what they do, then that's fine. I mean, you're going to see numbers from us. If you look at the way that we've qualified this year, it's because we got down the track one time on a key uh, on a on a key qualifying uh, time. You know, whether it be 11 in the morning or noon, and not a lot of other cars got down, but we did. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun, busy weekend. It'll be pulling double duty. I have all of I, look. You would you never show up to a race not thinking that you can win, and I know we're 
we can win. It'll be more challenging and difficult because we do not have the momentum coming into this race that we did last year. But uh, I think we all know how drag racing works. And, you know, Mark Powick, he's going to be running an MCA this coming weekend. I, uh, I'm, I'm not running that. I'm working on a different project. But the fans can expect to see El Bandito back on the track defending our U.S. Nationals uh, title. And I, honestly, Joe, I, I'm looking forward to getting back in the car. Um, it's been a, it's been a little while since I've driven it. We haven't tested too much it with this particular car, you know, between Marks and I we have. But um, man, just just racing, just getting back to racing and um, and being in that car and with that team and is something I'm definitely looking forward to. Now, you have the experience of running a Top Fuel Dragster, and you do a lot of uh, extra events. A couple weeks back, you were at Roadkill Nights, and certainly great visibility. Uh, You know, El Bandito also has visibility, right? It's almost got its own persona. And uh, I would just like your opinion on, like, driving that particular car, the idea that you're connected to a specific car, as opposed to the Dragster, which... You know, they come and they go, and there's different schemes and bodies and colors, and, and, and they come and go, but they're all, you know, pipe and panels. This is a car that was <laughs> built by Dodge. It's got its own thing. I don't want to say it's like Christine, because Christine was bad, but El Bandito, what about that connection yeah. to that car? No, I love that you said Christine, because I'm one of my junior directors, my name's Christine. It was my middle name, and Stephen King, and I love that movie. Uh, yeah, it's personified. Um, it, with the panels and chassis for the top fuel car, and it, we we look like a like name the flavor of Skittles, you know what I mean for us, or for something different every weekend. With El Bandito, it was uh, when when I came into the program in 2017, it was like, hey, this is kind of the only car we have. Um, can you guys make make it do it? I don't want to say like an, an an afterthought or child or anything, but so many so many new drag packs had been made, and for this to be the first one, and it. You started out so small that I I don't know I, I like I like the number one um, well clearly not for winning but with it being the original and I was working with the original teams and engineers and and just having that ground floor and the fact that we even had to change the delivery this year kind of hurt my heart a little bit I'm like that's okay I'm in there having that conversation with him El Bendito I was like it's fine you know so you just got new clothes on this year you still operate the same. Um, you're just as heavy as you were last year. We can't strip you down anymore. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's somewhat of an ownership, and it's, it's difficult for me a little bit because I don't own any of it. I mean, I get to drive phenomenal cars. Lucifer, twin turbo, quickest demon in the world. Uh, don't own it, but I get to drive it and set records with it. Bandito, I think I'm going to cry the day that I wrap this up running with him or maybe I'll he'll like accidentally disappear and maybe like nobody will notice <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't own it either Dodge does even DSR doesn't own it and the trailer Don owns and the fuel car, um, I don't really have any sense of ownership so with El Bandito I feel like we were both maybe like little foster children and and we bonded together and uh, we, we made something together through our people in the power plants and I mean yes it's that chassis but if you really look at how we were able to do what we did last year. That was a lot of that was a lot of good hard work with Whipple and BES and uh, with Rossi and CSR. So it's it's all comes together. And I just yeah, if I can, um, it's always going to be El Bandito for sure. Like another, you're supposed to have a girl as a race car, but um, and the and apparel's doing great, which means 
like apparel is always just a judgment of or, or basis of how successful a car is at probably performing or winning. And if people don't know, we actually have two outlets for it right now. Mark and I, we share um, we share a shirt at Nitro Mall. So it's got the Cowboy, it's got El Bandito through Nitro Mall. And then, again, we have a El Bandito really cool-looking black um, with a basically like a silhouette at the back of El Bandito uh, available on Hoonigan.com, which is where all of my LP apparel is at. It's cool because that just means that we were doing something cool and winning and just doing what we love and and other people that may not have ever known what Factory Stock Showdown was, they do now. So true, so true. Nitro Nitro Street NASCAR. (laughs) There you go. Leah, great job. I appreciate you coming on Factory Stock Podcast for our U.S. Nationals preview. It was the Kickstarter to your championship last year. Good luck this year. I know you guys are going to bring it 110, and uh, the chips will fall where they may. Good job. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks, Joe. See you guys there. There she goes, the defending race winner. She drives El Bandito. I think Leah has got something for him in the 2019 edition, but then again, we'll just have to wait and see. It has been a tough year for the Dodges. It has been a tough year if you don't drive a Cobra jet, but NHRA has been working rapidly, and a lot of the Ford teams, as you know, if you listen to this show on a regular basis, are annoyed by it, that they're working and working and working. Well, here we are at Indy now, and isn't that the goal? To go into the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, the biggest single race of the year, with the best possible parity. Did they accomplish it? We don't know. We're going to find out. But ultimately, I don't know that it will matter for the championship because Drew Skillman and Bo Butner are the guys that are battling for the title. And they're going to be equal no matter what because they both drive the same style of car. It's going to be racer versus racer, pro stalker versus pro stalker, team versus team. Joining us now here on Factory Stock Podcast, he is a crew chief for one of the top points earners. He is also a world champion in pro stock. He tunes for Bo Butner, Daryl Harron. Daryl, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. So you guys are getting ready. Busy, but yeah, everything's okay. You're getting ready for the U.S. Nationals. What is all going into that? Because there's three races remaining. You're in the middle of a points battle against Drew Skillman. First of all, I would imagine you guys feel like you still got a really good shot to win this championship. Oh yeah, all, all he's got to do is have one little hiccup, and we're going to be right there. So we're uh, we're planning on taking him out. That's the plan right now. Uh, I I love hearing that kind of talk. And Drew has been uh, very eager to talk as well. Like, you guys are relishing this. Oh, yeah. He likes to call us number two. Well, he's getting ready to find out. We ain't going to be number two. We're going to be number one. Uh, I've got the car sitting on the rack right now. I just, this morning, just installed a motor. Me and uh, a buddy of mine, Greg Esri. Holbrook just got done with it. Um, He did a few things to us, to it. So uh, we'll see how it's going to work out. We're going to test Monday down at Bowling Green. So, yep, I'm eager to get it done. I mean, right now I've still got a lot of work to do before Monday, but uh, I think we're going to be okay. How do you think the season has gone so well? You're sitting second in the points. You know Bo has got a nose for the winner's circle. We can talk about that momentarily. Right. But the season so far, uh, with exception of the Gator Nationals, uh, it seems to have gone pretty well. Yeah, it's gone pretty good. I mean, we've been, I think we let a couple of them get away from us that we should have got, but that's the way it always is, you know. You know, can't win them all, but 
we're going to, I don't know, I think we got a good shot at Indy. So let's talk a little bit about, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was uh, for educational purposes, as best as you can, for the people that are listening that love this class, mm-hmm. what goes into this? Like, what are the elements? In terms of pro stock, we're learning more and more about pro stock. It is very complex. What about factory stock? Can you give us some insight into what you have to handle as the crew chief? Well, to start out with, I, 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 the cars, I actually get a body from Ford, and then I put, I build a whole car. So we take, and uh, it's got, it's as complex as pro stock is anymore. I mean, I've got sensors on it. I've got the best the best parts you can put on one. Um, it takes every bit of it to win. So it's uh, it's pretty complex. I mean, it's not a it's not an easy class. It's not it, you're not just going to go buy one and show up and think you're going to be in the top ten. It doesn't work that way. We uh, Bo's team and Skillman's team we worked very hard at what we got here. And that's why we're at the top right now. But, um, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, the harder you work, you know, we're up the top. Okay. So what they do, every race we go to, they they increase the pulley size on us. They take power away from us. So we got to work harder to get back where we was at. So I don't know. It's it's kind of, it's not a, you know, you think the harder you work, you get you get rewarded but in this class here the harder you want they want to take away from you so i don't know when it's going to stop but uh it it needs to stop sooner or later because we keep on searching and finding but sooner or later you're going to run out of things to to find power in you know now it makes sense and uh, drew has communicated that to us as well the parody rules i i understand why but being on yeah. the end of it that you're on, it's got to be very frustrating. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's constantly I'm taking motors out, putting new motors in. Uh, we're, we're trying to find every little ounce of power we can find. And uh, then they pencil us out with a piece of paper. This time here, they went, I think they went, a, uh, they took, a, they added a quarter-inch pulley on us, which I think if they would have added an eighth, that would been more like it. But now they've uh, put it where Anyway, I think the Copos might have two or three hundreds on us. I'm not sure. Really? We'll, we'll see, yeah. Wow, very surprising, yep. very surprising. So one thing I want to point out, you know, the, these cars, a lot of people, they buy the car, they get the car, then, of course, they strip the car and do their own thing to it, but that's not what you guys did. You guys built your own from scratch. Yeah, I actually get a raw body, and I put the whole cage in it, build a rear housing, do it, do every bit of it, you know. The transmissions, uh, I have Joe's. I'm Joe, he builds my trainings. I've got the power. And then I've got a, a tuner. Uh, he's a Jason Lee. He's a, he's pretty good at what he does, too. So then i got a pretty good driver. <laughs> you do have a pretty good driver. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, <laughs> i got a pretty good driver. You do. All right, let's talk about Bo. Let's talk about it. Because yeah. it's amazing to me. You guys won a championship in pro stock together, and you know each other right. very well. But his recent right. foray into super gas seems ha- to have surprised you or, or just reaffirm that this guy knows how to get to the winner's circle. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he, get, he buys that car the next, you know, the next weekend we end up racing. So that shows he knows how to drive a car. He's not, uh, he is, a, he's a, when it comes to driving, you ain't going to beat him. I mean, you count him out and he'll be in front. 
Amazing but, uh, stuff. We like it when we're down. We, we like to try to, you know, show them we can do it one way or another. Now, what about... We've won. We've won the cars. We've won, uh, what was it, 14 or 15, 16? The factory shootout up there in Indy. When we had a car that wasn't the fastest car, but I had a better driver. So, that's that shows in, but I don't know. Yeah, the guys... I'm on winning this week, next weekend, I'll tell you that. I love that you're fired up about it, and that's exactly oh, why yeah. I want to have you on so that people understand that, uh, yes, this is a big race and everybody's focused on it, but this is like movie stuff. There are people all around oh, yeah. the country working right now to win that race. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's nonstop. I mean, I'll be working all the way up until uh, Monday morning when I head up this car to go to Bowling Green to test it. And then hopefully everything is good. If not, I'll be back here in my shop changing motors. And uh, headed back up to Indy. So that's well, happened several times in the coast. And then cook something and change something. And we come right back here in the lane and change them up and head on up. Very interesting. Now, what about the, uh, you know, we're talking about ECUs and wireless uh, tuning, and a lot of people are a little concerned about it. I think it's neat and actually really like it. Um, but uh, I understand, uh, you, you know, Drew Skillman was one of the first people to say the idea that you can uh, tune a car while it's going down the track is ridiculous and not possible. Yes. Wireless is for uh, convenience, like plugging into the wall. He goes, nobody does that anymore. He goes, everything's wireless. Welcome to the future. Um, but right. <laughs> give me your version of it. Well, everybody, when we was in Virginia, everybody was, uh, they was complaining about it. And basically, we didn't have no way to set our chip. We lost chip. And we actually, we put the router in our nose beforehand. And when we got there, that's the only way we could raise or lower our chip. And, you know, when you do that, you you know, you don't wait till Redpoint does his burnout, and then you figure out if you want to go higher or whatever. And we was doing that, and they was take, thinking that we was tuning the cars going to do the track. Well, they haven't got stuff that's that fast yet. You know, I mean, it's it's for, it, it, it's not, there's no way you can do it going down the track. So, I don't know. I, I think it was kind of funny after, you know, everybody was bitching and complaining about it. And, you know, I don't know. Now, the, the, you, you race a Chevrolet in pro stock. You race a Ford in factory stock. Bo yeah, says it all yeah. the time that the car's a tool to go win races. They're tools. Yeah, we're not married to any, class, any, any, any manufacturer. They're all tools to me. By the time I get done with these cars, I mean, use the stuff in them. Then I come off the factory. I mean, come off, uh, you know, the uh, assembly line. Anyway, so. They're 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 tools. And getting hooked up with Bo, like I I know a lot of people are thinking, like you know, Daryl is uh, obviously like a throwback. Like like that's to me, mm-hmm. like you're the throwback character that so many people uh, talk about. You know, I think about movies where they they the crew chief, right? He's talking to the car, that kind of deal, doing and making and building everything uh, from your own. Where where did you develop all this uh, talent? Well, I was. Uh... I was an iron worker for like 24 years, junior iron worker, and I learned how to use my hands. I mean, for you know, I built things. That's all I've ever done. I built buildings. I set up like four plants, GE and stuff like that. And it didn't, it's all I'm junior, so I've seen a lot of stuff made, built, whatever. I mean, it's uh, my dad taught me how to use a tape, and uh, and ever since then, I've just uh, I have a knack. I mean. We build motorcycles, big cars. I build everything, you know. 
It's it's a lot of common sense. Some people, you know, say it that way. All right, so message for Drew Skillman and those guys. What do you say? (laughs) It's going to be a nice one. They're they're getting ready to be number two. So I'll tell them. (laughs) Daryl. Especially Bill. Bill's going to get it. See, they made me sit in the back of the plane until we won, okay? So we did feel like in Virginia, I had to sit in the back of the airplane in the uh, airplane. But I'm not going to be sitting there anymore. Well, all Bill's right. Bill's going to have to sit back there. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in here. But uh, we're, uh, yeah, we're planning on going to India. And, uh, it's it's a big race. We won it once before in, uh, the sh- when the showdown first started. And then we won it again in the orange car. But uh, now that it's uh, supposedly a real class or whatever, we need to win it again, you know. And we'd like to double up. And uh, pro stock too, you know. So we're still uh, right now. We're we still got a chance to win some of championships in the falls, right? You know. That is. It correct. would be nice to double up on that. <laughs> and it's possible, and you're in the mix. And like you said, you got a pretty oh, yeah. good driver, Daryl. Thank you for oh, yeah. coming on Factory Stock Podcast, sharing a little insight into what you guys are doing over there. And uh, you're All in right. the fight. Good luck. All right. We'll see you there. All right. Thank you, Daryl. Daryl Heron with us on Factory Stock Podcast. And apologies, he's working while he's speaking with us. And uh, the phone was going in and out a little bit, but I feel like we got the gist of the conversation, which is they are going out there to whoop Drew Skillman. Now, I think one of the Skillman guys is listening to Factory Stock Podcast right now, and they've got something to say about it, which is, no, you're not. And that's what makes it so much fun. Thanks to Daryl for coming on the show. Thanks to Bo for helping set it up. And one of those guys, right? One of those guys. I can't help but think of Harry Hyde from Days of Thunder, played by Robert Duvall, who's talking to the car. And I know that's stock car racing, but that old school demeanor, the idea of the guy who can do and build and make and cut and weld and fabricate and dream taking something that's just a bunch of metal and turning it into something real that goes out there and outperforms the competition. Like, that is what drag racing is all about. That is why we love this category. And a guy like Daryl personifies that. And it is great stuff. NHRA's Facebook page, we did a Facebook Live from Bo Butner's pit up there in Seattle, and he showed us some of the things he has fabricated. Just amazing stuff if you haven't been watching NHRA's Facebook page. Lots of good content on there. Good people, too. You might like some of them. All right, let's keep on going. We got Brian Massengill coming up. He's going to bring us home. He's going to drive us home on this edition. But as many of you know, I do another podcast called WFO Radio NHRA Nitro. And the winners from each national event are on that podcast. And hopefully you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can hear all those interviews, a lot of blockbuster interviews, and we've certainly got a lot going on for the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. But after the Brainerd race, the Lucas Oil Nationals, we spoke with Pro Stock winner Jason Line. And Jason Line, as you know, runs Pro Stock, but also KB Racing. And KB Racing builds power for several factory stock showdown cars. So it was the perfect opportunity to ask Jason his thoughts on these showdown cars, the technology involved, what he thinks of them, what he thinks of the program, and most importantly, the future direction. As an engine builder slash stakeholder, 
What does he think? We've already heard Drew Skillman and Bo Butner say what they think about future rules, spec rules, etc. What does Jason Line think? Let's go back to that interview from WFO Radio and HRA Nitro. Let me ask you one more question, though. Just totally shifting gears in a total different direction. Whiplash moment, but I got to do it because, you know, KB Racing now building uh, big-time horsepower in the Samtech factory stock showdown. These boosted, blown engines, small blocks, all that stuff. And uh, we get ready for a 32-car field coming up at Indy. And uh, I kind of want your opinion where that thing is and where it's going and, uh, you know, the expansion and how do you like working on the engines. And, of course, you mentioned Roger Allen as a Chevrolet. They're very behind it. Um, You know, what say you about what you guys have been able to do? Pete Gasco's car looks really quick and fast. So it seems like right at the early edge of your learning curve with it, you guys are figuring out how to make power. Well, we've definitely made progress. Um... Yeah, I mean uh, the last couple of races that Pete attended, he he skipped he skipped one, but uh, you know he was uh, certainly uh, he was certainly as good as any of the other GM cars. Um, so he's made progress. We've made a little progress, and uh, we're by no means uh, experts at it by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, but yeah, we've learned a lot, and it's been a it's been a fun uh, fun project. So. Um, um, you know, hopefully uh, we're working on some new stuff. Uh, hopefully, um, between Pete and our other two guys, Kevin Lumsden and um, uh, Kramer, they can uh, they can have a good uh, a good showing. So uh, I, I I think they're super cool cars. Um, I'm not sure that I, I don't want to race one, but uh, why do you say uh, that? Uh, <laughs> well, because I, I got enough work as it is, <laughs> but you know they're they're not. Um, you know, I think people think of stock eliminator as as kind of an entry level class, and uh, that thing is anything but entry level. It is um, you know, it, it's a it's a pro stocker in in, a, in stocker clothing. So a uh, lot a lot of work, uh, that's for sure. Uh, but you want a challenge? There it is. Jump on in because um, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but super cool cars and uh, big smoke, lots of power. Um, you know they make. Uh, I mean, not not pro stock power, but they're not far off, and uh, they uh, they're definitely um, they're they're definitely cool cars. I love I love hearing you say that it's a pro stocker in stock eliminator clothing. It's not entry level. There's all these discussions about uh, you know what to do right to prevent it from becoming like an out of control thing, and you know yep. re- restrict this and limit this and spec this, spec that. Do you have uh, you know they're deciding all these things right now? And I'm going to use this audio in the factory stock podcast that I put out put out for those listeners specifically. Is there a direction you want it to go? Well, I certainly don't want everything to be a spec class because if it, you, if, it, if it's all the same, then uh, just go buy yourself a brand new one and drive it to the track and go race it. So you don't want that. You still got to be able to put your individual twist on it, and um, you got to be able to have a little bit of latitude to make it better than it was. And you know, all the OEMs they, they give you a little bit of room there to work on it. So, uh, and that's what sets you apart. Uh, that's what racing is. Uh, racing is not about every single piece being identical. So. Um, uh, I, I don't like the idea of spec things. I think you have to have some, uh, you know, some rules in p- place. But you know, typically, what happens is the more rules you put on it, the the more expensive it actually gets, not cheaper. Um, and I just uh, I, I like the idea of you know um, being able to to bring more f- people in from both the um, both the participant uh, standpoint and also from a vendor standpoint because that grows the sport. 
So, you know, one of the talks was the, you know, everybody run the same ECU. Well, I don't like that idea, and and I love the Hall of ECU, um, but I also love the big stuff. Um, so, and I might love, uh, you know, a field deck or whatever. I don't know, but I've uh, never used it. But but you know, I, I think the opportunity for those folks to be in our sport, uh, I think it's important. So um, uh, I think that, uh, you know, having a, everybody have the same spec uh, part is, is not healthy for the uh, continuance of the class. And there you go. Excellent. And I appreciate that, and I value your opinion. Just my two cents. Well, that's all I wanted. I just wanted your yep. two cents. Uh, but it carries a lot of weight, Jason, and I think you know that. You know, it's... Uh, I agree. I agree. More participation on both sides, the better, whether it be marketing or promoting or that whole com- competition that happens among manufacturers uh, through you guys, the racers. Like That's what makes it fun. I, I agree. I think, I think it's super important. And, um, you know, um, you, Grant, you, you don't want somebody to go out there, you know, pounding everybody into the ground by two tenths. But, uh, but if somebody can be a couple hundred faster, a few hundred faster by some little uh, niche uh, idea or thing that they came up with, then that's what that's what racing is about. It brings a little bit of innovation and some uh, creativity into it, um, you know, within the spirit of the rules. So um, I, I think it's um, I just think it's not healthy uh, to have everybody have the exact same piece. At that point, we might everybody have a red car and uh, you know uh, with the same wheels and. You know, uh, I, I don't like that idea. If I want to put a race star wheel on mine, I don't want to have to run some other brand. So I, I think it's important that we all have a little bit of latitude to do our own thing. Jason Line, as heard, WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, following his big win out there at the Lucas Oil Nationals in Brainerd, his home track. You can go back and check out all of that. That full interview is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your WFO. But to me, that's what racing is is a very important statement. And that's the push-pull of all of this. Jason Line says that making spec rules does not save money and cites examples. It's a worthwhile conversation to have. and We always like to add a little of that in on Factory Stock Podcast because it's about the drivers, it's about the excitement, it's about Daryl Heron trying to whoop Drew Skillman's team It's about Kirk Collins developing the program. It's about Leah bringing this style of racing to a whole new audience that maybe only knows Nitro. But it's about keeping it going for the future. And I thank Jason Lyon for tackling the issue. And we'll see how their drivers do over the course of the weekend. In fact, uh, they've got several cars that have been picking up in performance as they move forward. So very interesting to see. But this show would not be a factory stock podcast if we did not check in with the man himself. Joining us now from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology, he has been absolutely hustling as we get ready for the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. Brian Massengill back on Factory Stock Podcast. Brian, how goes it? Are you ready? It, it, I am ready. It has been a long, long break, um, our longest break, really. And I can't wait to see everybody get to the track. I mean, there's a lot of excitement just because it's our uh, biggest field ever. It, there's a lot of excitement, obviously, because it is the U.S. Nationals. So uh, it's an interesting week. This is the first time I haven't been own rig parked outside the gates waiting to get in and wait to get stacked and then waited to get parked. So this is uh, a little different 
U.S. Nationals for me uh, for the first time in a few years. But um, but I am excited. I know all of our racers are excited. I know all of our teams are excited. I know all of our fans are excited. I think you're excited um, based on the conversations we've had. So um, we're all excited. I'm not excited. No? Uh, no, of course I'm excited. What are you talking about? I was just being contrarian. The uh, the whole idea of the 32-car field, you know, are we going to get to the number? To me, I'm watching it all play out, and I don't think it matters as much as uh, some other people might think. Like, let's say we get 31 or 30 or 29 or 28. The idea that anybody above 16, like most importantly, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, those people would have gone home. Uh, Instead, they're going to have a shot to win the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals in theory. And to me, that just it's it's a reason for the category to grow. Right. Uh, I wonder what you think, as we've got the NMCA race from last week is in the books now. There was some preseason testing. We certainly heard uh, Daryl Heron talk about how they were going after it. Um, Give me your thoughts on the layout of what what we what we've got queued up for the weekend. So right now uh, we have 31 drivers on our list. I think that number might change a little bit. I think that there were. Um, a car or two that might have hurt themselves at the NMCA Norwalk event that might have to pull out. Um, our final number is 31. We got really close to that 32 number. Uh, I, we have new drivers coming in that have never raced before with us. We have drivers that have, you know, staples of this class. We have our uh, two past champions and Leah and David uh, are going to be there. So we've got a really, really great field. We've got the strongest field we've ever had. Um, I, I'm excited about the potential of running everybody. And I hope that we, we get to stick to the plan of everyone who shows up, even though we didn't get to that 32 car field, I'm hoping that everything stays the same, you know, with the qualifying and the, uh, the extra round of eliminations that we have there. I don't want to send anybody home. I don't think the NHRA wants to send anybody home. We're still on target for, uh, the original plan. And, and this is, um, this is going to be exciting because like you said, anybody from that back half that, that might not have otherwise qualified for this event Everyone's going to get in. Everyone's going to have a chance to win that Wally and say, I'm the U.S. National, the Factory Stock Showdown U.S. Nationals presented by Chevy Performance winner. Going rounds at Indy. Just that alone. Going round, going round. Like I went to the second round in Factory Stock Showdown. Uh, The idea that this class is still in its infancy. And there are things being sorted and worked on and challenged and uh, reinvented. Uh, All of that is happening. And so I think this is going to be a big, seminal event. Like, I think we're going to look back at this uh, at some point and say this was uh, this was a big moment in this class in its, uh, you know, future future, so to speak. But that having all been said, you know, we still have this amazing points battle going on. Uh, Drew Skillman, Bo Butner. Sitting at the top, I think it's safe to say that it's between those two uh, teams. And with the number of races remaining, uh, it is still pretty much wide open. You never know what happens. Like uh, we, we, you know, Daryl Heron, one slip up, and we're on top of him. And uh, that is that's the case. That is that is one of the things. You know, with all this time off. Um, you know, you would expect these drivers to be a little rusty, haven't been in the cars in a while. Well, that's not the case. These drivers have been testing. They've been at NMCA races. They've been testing on their own time. Um, they, they have been at the track getting ready and getting prepared for this race. Um, even though that, that points battle really is down to Drew and Bo, um, there's some guys and gals that want to be disruptors. You know, 
Leah's first win didn't happen until the U.S. Nationals last year, and and she went on a tear and won the points championship by a round. Um, that there's still a lot of things that can get accomplished, and having this be our biggest field ever, our biggest race ever, um, a lot of guys and gals are trying to get um, this walling. It is so important. It, it it's uh, it. This isn't just another race on the schedule. This is the race on the schedule. Um, it, it's it's so big, so important, and and to say that oh I I didn't win I didn't beat sixteen or I'm sorry I I didn't beat fifteen other drivers I beat thirty other drivers you know that that's a big accomplishment um, to be the best out of this field will be will be something uh, that we talked about for a few years hopefully so let's uh, let's take a step back uh, because it has been a considerable amount of time since our last race and set the scene for our listeners about you know where we are in terms of the rules package. The most recent update saw the Fords go to a four-inch pulley and some slight adjustments uh, to, the, to the Chevrolet as well, if I recall correctly. Let's go back to that and uh, you know, get everybody to where we are now because my conversations with people are suggesting that it's going to be pretty even, or at least that's what people are suggesting. In, in fact, the Ford people are suggesting that they feel like, you know, who knows whether they're really going to be behind, but they think they right. might be right in the middle of it. Now, there, there's a couple of things I want to say about that four-inch pulley. There are definitely drivers that aren't coming because there is now a four-inch pulley that is mandatory on that um, on their Ford, and they don't necessarily see that as fair because of the, all the amount of work that goes into, you know, in past episodes, you and I've talked about, it's not just a pulley. That's one piece of a much bigger puzzle. And so that, that pulley goes all the way through the drivetrain. Um, and I can understand their frustrations um, with, with all the changes, but if, if the NHRA hasn't sat down and said, okay, we, we have to make these changes, we have to bring this in, where would the Fords be? Where would these Chevrolets be? How fast would they be going? How we've already had 180 miles an hour. I, I Drew ran a hundred and or sorry a, a 760 something at at the Gator. So where would where would these cars be without these uh, these changes and and trying to get everybody on an even playing field? That, that's that's one of the things I want to say that you know there there are people out there that um, on the internet that are oh they're they're screwing over the Fords, oh, they're messing with the Dodges, oh, they're not giving us anything, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. Well, there is always a method to the madness. Um, I know you don't want to believe that sometimes with the NHRA, but trust me, these aren't easy decisions to make. Um, so that being said, we are at a four-inch pulley for the Fords, um, and they are still going to be competitive. Uh, you know, all of the drivers know that, and again, they've had enough time to make these changes and test and be ready for this change that, that, uh, that's here for the U.S. Nationals. Um, I, I think that again, it's just uh, it's kind of a testament to the the drivers that are still showing up for our races and still competing. Um, you know that what the Wally means to them, what the NHRA means to them, and what this season means to them. Um, there are, like I said before, there are, are several drivers who think they have a really good chance that they know they can't win a championship, but they see these next three races as a chance to make their mark um, and get ready for next year uh, with before any rule changes happen or anything like that, and, and let people know that they're. They're taking this class serious, and and I really appreciate um, the effort that these teams are making.
Simple as that. You know, it's appreciated. When you're going to be a trailblazer, uh, it's going to be hard, right? Like the trail has not been blazed. You have to cut your way through. Uh, The people who come after will thank you as they casually go down the trail and enjoy the ride. (laughs) But the people who blaze the trail, it's a little bit tougher for you guys. And uh, hopefully all the teams that listen understand that we as, you know, fans and people who are maybe even more uh, more intense than fans as close to the sport uh, appreciate it. Like, yes, I know it's a lot of work, but I, I know why we're doing it, and it is uh, probably annoying to have to reinvent your combination. But uh, I would hope they're getting closer now, right? They're making these changes. The Dodge going uh, down from 3.125 inches to 3 inches with their pulleys. And so the Dodges get something. The Cobra Jets lose something, and hopefully – uh, everybody is close enough that we don't have to touch this again. No, I, I think that hopefully, you know, we can we can finish out the season where we are. Uh, like you said, I think that, you know, there's there's some idea in the racers' minds that the NHRA is looking at this magical number of 790. Um, you know, we've got the 890, the 990, the 1090 classes already, and, and we're not a 790 class. Um, so ho- I'm hoping that nobody holds anything back, especially if there's going to be some buy runs uh, that are available in this uh, in, our, in our field because of uh, we didn't get it filled. But but um, uh, that 790 number in in these drivers' heads that that's that's some sort of mythical number that if you run faster than that, then you're going to get a pulley or you're going to get some sort of um, change to your combo. And and I want to see these cars go as fast as possible, as safe as possible, as safely as possible, and and I think the fans do too. So I'm hoping that nobody's holding anything back just so that they can not get a pulley. Um, you know, there's there's been talk of people laying back and, and why would you do that? You're not spending the money that these guys are and gals are spending on their cars to to sit back and say, okay, well now it's the U.S. Nationals. Now we're going to go make a stand. Uh, you if if you aren't uh, up in that top five already, you you really have zero chance of winning a championship. So that that's kind of ludicrous, but. But um, like you said, hopefully we're we're done making changes. We we can go race, and, and uh, if there is something that is a concern, I I know the NHRA will handle it and with the uh, most care that they they do. Well, exactly, and uh, you know, not to put myself in the mind of the rules makers, but uh, the, you know, from here on out, we got a few races remaining uh, for the season. You got two Fords sitting at the top of the point standings. And uh, at some point, this year's championship should, uh, you know, be allowed to play out. And it's going to be Ford versus Ford for the championship this year. Drew versus Bo. Two pro stock teams really doing all of their pro stock type things to these cars. Uh, I want to see it. I hope it plays out. It'll be interesting. Now, that having been said, we had Kurt Collins from Chevrolet on uh, as our first guest. And I thought it was very interesting to hear his statements about that they didn't expect what the racers would be able to do with this. You know, let's call it a blank canvas, so to speak, or the potential of the cars. Like, they built these cars, and they felt like, man, these are really great cars that we are going to build. And this is the Chevrolet perspective, but I'm sure it's true from Ford and from Dodge as well. Hey, this is we're going to build these cars, and it's going to be great. And they put them in the hands of the racers, and I don't want to say they underestimated the capability or intensity of these racing teams, but that's what happened. And all of a sudden, they're, they're getting way more potential out of what they were given. And the cars are going way quicker and faster than anybody expected. And then all of a sudden, 
uh, this what has happened has happened, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. It's like, wow, man, these racers are that great. That's what this all is. It's a testimony to what the engine builders and the engineers and, uh, you know, people like Daryl Heron as a crew chief are capable of doing with them. That's that's a really good point. It kind of reminds me of the one of the scenes in Days of Thunder where Robert Duvall is talking about, you know, Tom Cruise's ability to drive, that he, he has the ability to go beyond the car, beyond the tires, beyond the limits of anything. And and that's kind of what these manufacturers are seeing is these these cylinder heads, these blocks, these rods and pistons and cranks, what what these guys are doing with production uh, parts is, is kind of crazy. Um, they were never made to turn the RPM that these cars are turning. They were never meant to have the horsepower and flowing the air and, and trying to make as much power as these teams have have found and are continuing to make. So we are very much on the, at the limits of of what is capable um, with these uh, factory parts. And and again, it is because nobody ever expected this class to be what it is right now. Um, you know, when when we first signed on, it was a uh, naturally aspirated class and a. Uh, blown class and nobody was the blower cars weren't really that big a thing um, compared to the naturally aspirated cars that were being sold and uh, at least in the copos and and I know that there were more uh, Fords out there that were blown but it it's really found another life and and another thing and and it's the same thing with the NHRA you know when when we they sat down the manufacturers did and Ford asked for the things they asked for in in this last off season and you can see, hey, nobody really expected this combination. Maybe the Ford guys did or the Ford engine builders did. But nobody expected to see the numbers that we saw at Gainesville. And again, like I said earlier, here we are months later. And where would we be if we hadn't made any of these rules changes? But it's, it's so crazy to think what, how heavy these cars are, how fast these cars are, how quick these cars are, and what they're doing with the parts that they're doing them with. They're, these aren't uh, billet heads. These are these are stock heads from Chevrolet, from Ford, and cranks that you can buy from any any uh, uh, part supplier. And it's just it's it's kind of wild. It and, is, and that's where we're seeing the limits. So I hope that everyone will look at 2019 as a year of uh, you know like forging forward, transition, all of these things. But at the same time, whoever wins the U.S. Nationals is going to be the Indy winner for the rest of their lives, and they will have earned it. So let's talk a little bit about the race. Uh, You know, we don't know what we're going to see. There's no way to know. Uh, Running through qualifying and all that, so many good quality cars. So many people have been working. Uh, It is unfortunate that some people maybe hurt their uh, combination the week before. But, uh, you know, whoever shows up, they got a shot. So let's not talk about Drew and Bo. Let's not let's not talk about them. We know that they're going to be good. Uh, let's talk about some of the others who could potentially uh, get into the mix, right? Like uh, you know, like Mark Powick, for instance. Like I hear that they've been testing a lot, and I know Mark has been not very happy at all. Like if the parity rules are, are trying to help bring the Dodges back, and they're working hard, testing, 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 testing. You know, Cowboy, maybe he could get up in there. Yeah, he uh, he's one of the drivers that I'd be looking out for. Um, like I said, I, I think he's kind of been a little upset with the way that the season's gone, and and I understand that frustration. You know, you're you're busting your butt, and you've got a team that's working really hard, and um, your teammate won the championship last year. You were in some final rounds, and and you haven't been able to to get out of round one. Um, none of the DSR t- cars have. 
Mark Orlia. And, and, you know, Mark threw down some really, really good numbers in Norwalk at the NMCA event last week. Um, I think he ran a 785. That's, that's a really, really good number, um, especially in the air that they had. Um, so I think that you're going to see them um, take a shot for uh, Obviously, I, I think that they've been all season long throwing everything they could at the track. But, um, but I, I think that, you know, we've got a really, really good chance to see some, some uh, rounds out of the Dodges that we haven't seen yet this season. I think that Joe Welch is our only Dodge driver that's gotten out of a round, and uh, he got out of it because he was racing another Dodge. Exactly. So, um, it, there's there's going to be some people like that. You know, obviously the Stanfield team's already had success this year with an all-Stanfield uh, final, Archie and Stephen Bell, and Bell taking the, the better of that round in the finals at Topeka. Um, otherwise, it's it's really been the Ford show this year. But um, I know that Barton and, and his team, his drivers are, are ready. They've, they've kind of had this uh, date circled, as everyone has, but – but this is really, you know, again, where a lot of drivers last year looked at what, or a lot of drivers looked at what Leah did last year and how successful she was. Um, the um, and they they see that you can turn the corner and and be ready to go and and really capitalize on some momentum and and get through the off season finding a new life and and I think you're going to see that, um, you know, like I said, we've got some new drivers that have never raced with us, some that are. Um, starting to find their groove a little bit more and, and things are starting to click drivers that have been with us for a couple races that, that really, okay, no, we spent this time practicing and I've been working on my tree and I've been, you know, hitting the track and we've been doing half track stuff and hit my shift points and all that. So everybody's ready for this race. Um, I think one, you know, just getting to an atmosphere like Indy, you know, we, the, the Gators was so surreal, um, because of how, how, many fans were there, how much support the class had. And, uh, and we're going to see something like that again at Indy. And, and I know that all these drivers are super excited about that. And so are their teammates. Absolutely. Totally agree. Just looking at the entry list on NHRA.com, checking out the point standings, uh, thinking about like, you know, one race for everything uh, in terms of, you know, you go win Indy, you have an accomplishment that will last you the rest of your life. Heard from Leah Pritchett earlier, uh, you know, covets the victory, covets the moment. She's out there racing top fuel on a regular basis and thinks about this as one of the greatest single racing accomplishments of her life. That, to me, tells the tale. And uh, not long from now, we will be there. Brian, thank you so much for giving us, uh, you know, this view of the class. Of course, supporting Factory Stock Podcast. We were on a little bit of a break, but now we are back, and we're going to take everybody down through the stretch run. Of course, the U.S. Nationals. We'll have winners, and we will uh, break down the stories. Like, what will the story be? And we do not know. This, you know, one class alone it's got enough storylines, people, personalities, etc., to uh, to fuel a whole lot of conversation. And hopefully, everyone will subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere to uh, to check out the show because uh, championships will be decided. Just we don't know who it's going to be. That's it, Joe. Uh, thanks as always for having me. Real quick, I wanted to say, uh, Alan uh, Alan is going to be doing a um, a what do they call it? Um, the Nitro Live? School. Nitro We're going to. We're gonna have our we're gonna have a, a our own factory stock uh, school. It'll be Alan Reinert, uh, you know, the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinert, uh, on Friday, I believe, uh, at six thirty, 
with Aaron Stanfield. They're going to talk about everything. So if you are at the U.S. Nationals on Friday after our qualifying session that we have on Friday, be sure uh, to find Alan. It, it will either be at the NHRA tent or over um, by the Sam Tech tent. And if you are there, be sure to come and uh, stop by our tent in our booth and, and find out more about the school, find out more about uh, factory stock showdown. Um, but yeah, 6.30 on Friday after our qualifying session, Aaron Stanfield is going to sit down with Alan Reinhardt for the factory showdown school. Uh, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this. And so we, uh, if you have questions, that those are two uh, brilliant minds about the NHRA who uh, know the sport inside and out. And, and Aaron, of course, has been with the class pretty much since the beginning. So he can he can help answer anything that you might have. Very exciting. Yeah, the, the school program, whether it be Pro Stock School, Nitro School, uh, Pro Mod School, now Factory Stock School, so to speak. Very popular because people can see the parts and pieces and the personalities and ask questions. Uh, they have all gone very well, and it is just the natural progression of the class as one of the premier classes of NHRA, in my opinion, that they uh, you know we have one of these programs. So great that Alan Reinhardt and Aaron Stanfield will be up there. And uh, I guess i got to get free, right? i got to be able to get over there and see some things as well. Brian, great job. Thank you so much. Uh, Hey, Joe. Thanks again, buddy. And I I will see you at Indy. Can't wait. Brian Massengill with us on Factory Stock Podcast. He's headed to Indy. I'm headed to Indy. You're headed to Indy or already there in the pit area, in your trailer, listening on your mobile device. Like, what did they say? What was the story? What's the deal with Factory Stock? So we're not going to have 32 cars. We're going to have like 31 cars, maybe 30 cars. Some people hurt their equipment. At the NMCA race, okay. Some people decided not to come and be a part of this amazing historic event, okay. It's still the biggest and most significant factory stock race on the planet. There will be an extra round of racing. And more importantly, for everybody who did show up, they're going to get to race an elimination round at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. To me, that's a win. Yes, this is glass is half full. Did they get more than 32 cars or did they not? Well, they did not. So is it a total failure? Depends on the way you are and the type of way you like to look on things. I say no way. I say great success to get 30 factory stock showdown cars to show up and go out there and compete. And not to go too deeply into it, but I really think that that is the solution for the health of other categories. People do not like to go home. They don't like it. And now in the modern era, a lot of people will just find something else to do. There's so many games in town, right? Different games in town. Well, I won't go to that because I have no chance of making it. Maybe you're really good on race day. You're not great in qualifying. I think this was a great solution, and I'm very excited. Well, folks, that's going to do it. Thank you very much for logging on to Factory Stock Podcast. This one was a little bit longer than usual. I really appreciate you guys listening. Remember, all the episodes are there. They're stacked. They're ready. If you want to refresh on some of the smack talk that has happened over the course of the season, by all means, dive in, delve in, get ready. But the fact of the matter is, it won't be long till cars are on track and we are running eliminations and finding out who's going to win the 65th Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. Just a reminder, our WFO radio podcast that I do on a weekly basis, all kinds of blockbuster guests on this given week. So check out that feed as well. Subscribe, 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 write a review, review, review. Reviews are great. They say that that's the key. You've liked this show, right? It's definitely good enough. Five stars. Kirk Collins was awesome. Jason Lyne, Leah, 
Daryl Heron. All great stuff. And after the race, you're going to hear from the winners right here. Like who won this deal? Whose life has changed? Who's now an indie winner? We will find out on Factory Stock Podcast. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.